Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rainbow Connection, the podcast where we talk about the wonderful works of the Jim Henson Company. I am your host, Mackenzie Easton. And I am your other host, Nathan Bertram. Although that last name is going to change after a while, because yay, we got engaged. And in honor of our engagement, and entirely coincidentally, because we were planning to do this anyways, we are talking about The Muppets Take Manhattan, the movie where Kermit and Miss Piggy get married. One of the reasons we decided to do this movie is actually because, big news. Big Muppet news, guys. Big Muppet News, a brand new Muppet television project for Disney+, Plus. their new streaming service that is going to be a direct sequel to The Muppets Take Manhattan. The Muppets Live Another Day is going to be set after The Muppets Take Manhattan, so it's going to be like an 80s or 90s period piece. Uh, The people who made Once Upon a Time are behind it, and Josh Gad is heavily involved. So that is something for us to look forward to. I'm increasingly excited about Disney Plus and the stuff that they are releasing on it. We are going to look for the first time for both of us, right, at The Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, Yes, I have not seen this one before this episode, so this is uh, exciting. Mm -hmm. But this is a very instrumental film. It's kind of the last of its era, and we're really excited to be talking about it. Yeah, this is kind of the swan song for the original core Muppets team, if you don't count Muppets from Space, which... A lot of them agree was kind of a misfire. Yeah, I don't think that one really counts. This is the last one with Jim, so this is the last one, as far as I think most people would consider it. Yeah. Uh, And we noticed a lot of the differences that occur after this point, because we're honestly, we grew up with the stuff after more often than the stuff before. So there's some some notes we had about that. You want to just do like general thoughts? What do you feel? How do you feel about this one? I really liked this movie. Oh yeah? Yeah. I find it really interesting that this movie, maybe it's just because of when it was made, when it fits into the into the canon, but it's not a movie that is heavily reliant or referential on the Muppets as a legacy property in the way that almost all of the later stuff tends to be. And actually the earlier stuff. And some of the yeah, and yeah. a lot of the earlier stuff too, you're right. I did the research for this episode and one of the points on the like Muppet Wikia about this movie is that it's the only one so far, like before and after, that doesn't have any fourth wall breaks. It is the least meta of all of the Muppet movies. And normally that would be a mark for me, like, against it. But it's very genuine, and I think it works this time. Yeah, like, Frank Oz takes these characters and just has them play characters in a movie instead of being the Muppets. But it's still a Muppets movie. Like, the themes and the things that the Muppets represent are still present here. They're just channeled into a narrative instead of directly communicated to the audience in a series of fourth wall breaking jokes it is the least postmodern muppets movie <laughs> yeah it is the most straightforward cinematic muppets movie i would say yes uh roger ebert in his roger ebert in his review of this one which he was mostly positive towards really came down on the fact that this is the first movie where Kermit really has a very identifiable personality. This is the movie where Kermit becomes like a character as opposed to like a archetype, which I think, yeah, it feels that way about a lot of the characters, honestly. Uh, this, I, I enjoy this one. It's maybe a little bit episodic for my tastes because it's both a movie that is entirely like 
as you said, like a cinematic, like straightforward kind of narrative thing, but it still has a very like episodic Muppety structure. So it feels a little bit disjointed to me, but it all works for me. So I feel like that's more of a like, I'm trying to think too hard about this problem than a like legitimate issue I have with it. One of the things plot wise that I think is actually really interesting and probably where the movie does get its most postmodern is that the plot that we're seeing play out in the movie is a direct parallel to the plot of the Broadway show that they're trying to have made. Yeah, it's at least somewhat paralleled. Yeah. We don't actually get that much information about the show that they're trying to put on, but I feel like this is a good segue into the actual plot of the movie. All right, so... We open on Danhurst College. Played by uh, Vassar College. <laughs> yes. It is credited. Kermit and his friends are putting on a production of a show written and directed by Kermit called Manhattan Melodies. And it is a huge crowd pleaser. Everybody loves it. The opening number... Well, Okay, it's the closing number of the show, and the first number of the movie is Together Again, which is one of those Muppet songs that I knew even without having actually seen the movie it came from. I, like, knew lyrics. I was, like, singing along to it. I was like, I don't know where I've heard this song before, but it's just so ingrained, and it's a really good number. Yeah, I also recognized it, and it is. It's a great number. It's one of those classic Muppet numbers that just kind of sticks with you. It really has very little, like, <laughs> the lyrics are more emotional and like uh, like above board like they have more to say than they have any use of in this plot like i kept expecting it to get reprised in a kind of sad way later but it never does it's just there but i like it so whatever mm -hmm. and then yeah everybody loves the play and kermit goes out to do his little speech afterwards because everybody pushes him out to do it and he's like really happy about his time in this college and how supportive everybody is considering like that it's weird that a bunch of pigs and frogs and bears and whatnot have been accepted to college setting up that they are like paralleling minority groups in this movie the muppets are discriminated against a little bit yeah so this is their graduate year they are putting on this show as kind of a farewell because they've graduated oh minor point here animals a bit rapey in this movie yeah that's a bit unfortunate yeah he does this a couple times the most prominently i think is in this scene where he's like chasing a woman away from the crowd and it's just like yeah could you not animal and apparently some just... of that has been cut in later editions he's just chasing a woman out of the theater going woman woman this is a trait he's had multiple times but you know come on animal consent is important so this makes absolutely no sense in the general continuity of the muppets which we've established there, before doesn't really exist there is no continuity in the muppets in this continuity the muppets are 20 somethings that have just graduated from college which i had never really thought about how old the muppets are before like it didn't really occur to me to ask like how old are these characters and it occurs to me they can be whatever age there is absolutely no like miss piggy is just as believable as a high school senior who is like way too dramatic for everything and as a 50 year old divorcee these characters are ageless beings 
Yeah, so they do the show, and Kermit goes out to thank everybody for their support, and they are clapping and shouting that, you know, they'll see you on Broadway because the show is so good. And the rest of the Muppets backstage are like, you know, Broadway is not a bad idea. We could make a lot of money and get famous if we took this show to Broadway because it's a really great show. So they all rally around and convince Kermit to take them to Manhattan so that they can pitch the show to Broadway producers. Yes, and Miss Piggy in particular is invested in this because Kermit has promised that they'll get married once they have more money. Like, sometime before the movie started, he made this promise, and so she is very insistent that they become successful so that they can get married. And she is convinced that getting a show on Broadway is the only way that this can happen, because it's a movie. And also because Miss Piggy has a bit of a one-track mind, consistently. That's a character trait. So they get on a bus, and they go to Manhattan, and they sleep in the lockers at the bus station. Because they are puppets, and they are very small. They are they are bus locker-sized. Yes. Uh, in this rendition. Their size is also another thing that kind of radiates a tiny bit, depending on what movie they're in, but in this one, they are small enough to fit in bus lockers. The day after... They arrive to Manhattan, they go to meet a Broadway producer that they find in the classified, because this movie takes place in the 80s, and it very much takes place in the 80s. There is a lot of aesthetic in this movie that I'm that I'm gonna guess is why they picked this for the TV show, is that it is very 80s nostalgia, and that's big right now. So the first guy they go to talk to, they find in the classifieds, and he is very enthusiastic from the get-go about their musical. It has songs and dances, he's very impressed. And then... And then the police burst into his office and arrest him because he is a grifter. Yep. So... And he attempts to escape by uh, holding Camilla, the chicken, hostage. And then Gonzo says that he should take him instead because he doesn't he want Camilla to get hurt. Camilla to Camilla, get hurt. Gonzo is such a dedicated boyfriend. In this movie, he loves her a lot. So the con man grifter producer grabs Gonzo by the nose and picks him up and carries both of them out into the hallway where Animal is waiting poised in the doorframe to drop on him and attempt to rescue his friends by just biting the dude. Yeah, so Animal successfully saves Gonzo and Camilla from a hostage situation and the cops arrest the guy. This is a very dramatic twist in the context of the movie. We were both like, holy crap, there's a hostage situation in this Muppet movie all of a sudden. There was something shady about the guy, but I wasn't expecting it to go there. I mean, I kind of expected it to just be legit because that scene is up until the point the police burst in almost beat for beat the Orson Welles scene from the 70s movie where they come into his office and they're like we want to be rich and famous and then he's like drop a standard rich and famous contract for Mr. Kermit the Frog and friends. I like that this movie decides to subvert that and just be very cynical at the beginning of the movie. Also after the hostage situation Gonzo gives Camilla mouth to mouth and apparently afterwards they're engaged. Considering we're celebrating our engagement, it seems appropriate. (laughs) 
I'm guessing Gonzo is waiting to f*** her until after marriage. After this point, there can't take no for an answer, which is uh, performed by Dr. Teeth. The visuals for this are a montage of them being rejected over and over again and getting increasingly sad. Yes, they go to multiple producers. They get rejected over and over again. Nobody even wants to listen to their song that they're performing as part of their pitch. Every time they go, they try to sing the song. I don't think we ever hear this song. No, I don't think we ever actually do. We hear like the first couple notes and then it goes they always like this. get cut off. Yeah. Which is continually funny. Um, so this goes on. Also, Kermit feels the need every time to bring up that there's something missing about it, which is a terrible idea, Kermit. If you need to workshop it, that's fine. But don't tell everybody that you don't think it's good enough. Uh, this goes on for a while. They get rejected multiple times in a montage. Weeks pass. We see the dates go by. and They're there for months. Yeah, it's and a while. They've been living in the lockers the whole time. <laughs> they've been living in the lockers. There's a shot in the montage where it's them back at the lockers and they have like all decorated them with yeah. like posters and photos and they have they have made these lockers home. So yeah, at the end of the montage, um, everybody's dejected and they're out of money and they don't really know what to do anymore. And they're all asking Kermit, like, what do we do? And Kermit doesn't know. Like, it's very interesting. This movie says up that Kermit is their leader, but he didn't ask for that, and he doesn't know why they're considering him their leader, and he doesn't know how to, like, solve this problem any better than the rest of them. Which, yeah, they're giving Kermit an arc, which is good. Kermit decides that they should use the last of their money to try to get food. They have enough money for two more nights in the lockers, uh, but they have to eat, because they haven't eaten in days. So uh, they go into Pete's diner. Yes, and this is where we get the introduction of Rizzo the Rat. This is Rizzo's first major Muppet role. Rizzo was introduced in The Great Muppet Caper, but this is his first major role. Oh, neat. So, I like Rizzo. I didn't realize how late an introduction to the like Muppet family he was. Yeah, me either. Um, but yeah, this is his first major role. He works at the restaurant, and he's kind of a jerk. Yes, Rizzo is a waiter at a restaurant, which most of the customers don't take kindly to being served food by a rat. Yeah, there is this underlying level of all of the same sentient animals in this universe are really discriminated against. One of the reasons they keep getting rejected for all of their like pitches to shows is that people don't want these kinds of people performing on stage. Yeah, it's a point is made repeatedly that they're very weird as a group. Like they're not typical performers. They're very outside the norm. Yeah, I appreciate that like element of the Muppets and I always have that they're they're an outsider group. They're they're a lot like the X-Men, really. <laughs> And I'm only kind of kidding about that, in that they are an allegory for a lot of things, and specifically oppressed groups and, like, LGBT people. The Muppets are very queer. Yes. And I'm not really joking about that. So Rizzo works at this diner. Uh, they are sad and dejected. There is also a cute waitress girl named Jenny. Yes, Jenny is the daughter of... Pete's daughter or granddaughter? Yeah, she's related. Um, she's related to Pete, who owns the diner. He's this kindly older, I want to say Italian gentleman. I want to say it's Italian, yeah. kind of unclear, but he does have this like fairly thick accent. And So they like go up and kind of beg for food, and he give, the Pete gives Kermit this advice that doesn't make any sense. 
This it is like a- starts off like an inspirational like old man telling you something and then it doesn't ever it, like it just keeps going and then by the time you're done you're just like I don't think that meant anything. This is a running joke throughout the movie and it's probably one of my favorite jokes. It gets funnier the first time I kind of just wasn't sure if I missed something. Yeah. By the time like it happened three or four times and I get it by the second time it's like oh this guy just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No it's it's good. Um. So yeah he goes and he asks for food but he says unfortunately we're broke we don't really have money to pay for it and pete gives this this whole monologue to him and then goes back into the kitchen and kermit not understanding what pete meant starts to walk back to the table kind of dejected and then jenny who is working the cash uh says aren't you gonna wait for your soup and kermit says we don't have any money and she says if i know my dad or grandpa or whatever uh he'll be in the back making you soup right now like he knows it's hard times he came to new york and he didn't have anything either there's this very like kind of immigranty fresh face starting up and having a hard time message also in this movie. Uh, Meanwhile, the Muppets at the table are like, I think maybe we should like split up. I don't think we can keep doing this. Yeah. uh, For the sake of Kermit and whatnot. I think it's Dr. Teeth that is leading the conversation talks about how you know, they've been at this for a while and they haven't made any progress. So maybe they should split up and take other jobs. Maybe they don't all need to be here. Uh, and if Kermit ever sells the show, he can tell us and we'll come back. Yeah. At this point, I have a note about how different Scooter sounds because this is one of the characters uh, that was played by Richard Hunt. And he has a much deeper voice uh, in his original Richard Hunt incarnation than they do later. He sounds really different. Um, Scooter or Richard Hunt also. One of the other things we noticed about this movie is that Janice talks a lot more in it than we were used to. Richard Hunt was also also uh the performer for janice which might be part of the reason why uh kind of fades off afterwards yeah there's not a lot of janice in this movie but she's very funny when she does get lines yeah i like janice way more now just because of how good she is in this movie i mean i already liked her but i like her more uh not that janice says anything funny in this scene anyways kermit comes back and is sad that everyone's decided to leave but accepts it and then we get the next scene and the next musical number saying goodbye which is unreasonably sad yes this is a very sad sequence where we see uh each of the muppets say goodbye to kermit and then go off on their own electric mayhem stays together and they start hitchhiking across the country gonzo and camilla stay together and they go off on a motorcycle yeah also like those are the only two sets of people who stay together electric mayhem who is like always a unit and gonzo and his chicken girlfriend those are the like closest knit pairs in the whole gang apparently which i just found very appealing uh fozzy becomes a hobo and jumps the tracks which seems appropriate for also gonzo has a teddy bear for and, not gonzo fozzy has a teddy bear and it's very cute um and piggy does the dramatic like leaving your boyfriend on the train thing in like <laughs> dramatic clothing but then like dun, didn't didn't dun, actually leave. she's still there she's in disguise watching kermit yeah she's spying on him i don't really know why she felt the need to leave i'm pretty sure she could have just like she feels the need to leave because everybody else thinks it's a good idea and she doesn't want to leave because she loves kermit she wants to stay with him i don't know if kermit would have told her to leave but she's very extra so i get it Uh, and kermit's sad Yes, Kermit is very sad. He, uh, because he's broke, he goes back to Pete's diner and begs for a job. But Rizzo also uh, 
is begging for work for his, like, seven rat friends, including Masterson, Tatooi, and Yolanda, which means there's, like, three different female Muppets in this movie, which is more yeah. than usual. Uh, Pete... <laughs> And then, Go ahead. Uh, there's a joke at this point where Pete is like, can't handle how many people are asking for jobs. And he's like, okay, frogs want jobs and rats want jobs. What's next, penguins? And then the penguins show up. That is a good joke. Uh, what were you going to say? Oh, so uh, Pete ends up just giving all of them jobs because... He's too nice to say no. He gives the rats jobs as waiters, and he lets Kermit help out washing dishes in the kitchen. Yes. Uh, at this point, I did make a note about Jenny, and I, I like her as a character just fine. I just don't think the actress is very good. Yeah, the performance is pretty uneven. It's a little stilted, um, yeah. which is too bad. But Oh, it's important to note around this time, we learn that Jenny is an aspiring uh, costume designer. Oh, also Kermit's been kind of hitting on her the whole time. Like, Miss Piggy gets quite jealous about this throughout the movie, and she's not entirely unwarranted for that, because Kermit is kind of hitting on her. Uh, also, she's, like, graduated from high school but applying to colleges, and Kermit just graduated, so that's a bit creepy, Kermit. Maybe back up. She's, like, 18. <laughs> so, yes, she is a budding costume designer, and Kermit is, like, reinvigorated. He's determined to sell the show to, like, bring his friends back together, and he's got a three-step plan, and the first step requires Jenny to make him a, a disguise. The disguise consists of a low-cut pink shirt. Like a silk shirt. With a afro wig and gold jewelry and sunglasses. And, like, high-waisted pants. So that he can pose as a producer to go into another like high profile producer's office and pretend that he knows them already and like hand off the script and tell him that it's going to be a huge show and that he wants him to read over the script and get back to him and he'll have his people call your people and then it's basically just Kermit being incredibly extra talking very fast and not making a lot of sense yeah his entire goal seems to be to like get in and out so quickly that they're so confused that they don't realize they have no idea who this frog is also he keeps repeating himself to everybody he talks to he has like four lines and he just says them to everybody with mild alterations so he gets out and breathes a big sigh of relief and the script is immediately thrown into the garbage yes because nobody bought it because it wasn't a very good plan so uh he meets with jenny after he drops the script off and checks in with her about how the plan's going and miss piggy is spying on them from across the park next to a construction site where she gets repeatedly and aggressively catcalled by three men Yes, and then she She's, has none of this. She sees, I think she sees uh, Jenny hug Kermit or something like that and gets very upset and scares the crap out of the three men who are standing next to her. I am very fond of Miss Piggy in this movie. She has some great scenes in this film. Oh yeah, she's fantastic in this movie. Very good. I mean, Frank Oz directed the movie, so it's no wonder he gives one of his main characters a lot to do, but he get, he gives her great stuff to do, so I can't complain. Miss Piggy is very angry, but she's got a job. She's got a job at like a department store. Working the perfume counter with one of the biggest cameos in this movie, Joan Rivers. Yes, this movie is a bit short on uh, like major cameos. Some of that is just a lot of the people in this movie that would probably be vaguely recognizable at the time are 
just like didn't stick around in pop culture memory. And part of it is that, uh, according to my research, they had a huge list of like very big names and they just all ducked out at the last minute. Oh no. Do you want to hear like about these cameos now or should I hold it for later? Yeah, let's hold it for later. Okay, we'll get into that later. So we got Joan Rivers cameo. Uh, Kurt, uh, Miss Piggy and Joan Rivers work at the perfume counter at this department store, like a Macy's or something along those lines. And Joan Rivers really wants to help, like she sees Miss Piggy's in a bad mood and she wants to help cheer her up by giving her a makeover with like makeup and it's actually very cute it's this like kind of sweet scene where these two women are like supporting each other and i mean i don't know i don't really like joan rivers that much usually but i liked her in this a lot yeah it's a good scene like it starts out very sincere where she's like uh trying to cheer her up by like offering to like put some rouge on her and like do her eyeliner and then it just keeps escalating where they just keep adding more and more makeup and it gets more and more ridiculous and then the two of them just start laughing hysterically and like throwing powder in each other's faces and the entire like department store starts staring at them and they both get fired it's Uh, a good scene it's a good scene also like Miss Piggy throughout this movie has very limited makeup and during this scene she looks more like she does in a lot of the other movies than she does uh, for the rest of this one until they start like dabbing her face with an eye pencil to give her beauty marks this movie yeah is quite episodic so after this point it gets back to the restaurant and it's just straight up the scene with the rats cooking from ratatouille apparently that was stolen from this and i had no idea i had a note here that the muppets beat pixar to the rat is a cook premise yeah like it's a lot of like jokey like gags with the rats doing cooking stuff pete moved them into the kitchen which is really a better idea and now he is uh waiting tables himself there's like a jazzy like kind of a noise song that doesn't probably have much of a title to it in this section where the rats are just kind of like i was gonna say beatboxing but they're not beatboxing they're just like scatting yeah it's it's a little bit like trash in the camp from tarzan or something along those lines it's a good scene lots of great visual jokes here with what the rats are doing in the kitchen. Uh, this is probably the point where it's most clear that the rat puppets function differently than everything else. Yeah. Uh, according to my research, they are operated with rods as opposed to like hand puppets because they're tiny. Uh, so they've just got like rods with like mild control elements for their heads, um, which makes sense. They're, like there's some good visual jokes, but it's clear that they're very stiff in this this point we get the first letters from home the first letters from the gang uh because kermit's kind of dejected and basically every time he's like really dejected he gets distracted by letters it's very convenient yes uh so the first set of letters are from scooter and fozzy and scooter is working in a theater in cleveland in cleveland where he meets the fish thrower and also swedish chef is running the popcorn counter yes there's a great joke where so uh scooter's job is to take tickets and hand out 3d glasses because it's a 3d movie because it's the 80s and that was a big gimmick and he is trying to get into the theater to give the fish thrower his 3d glasses because he didn't take them and he passes the swedish chef who is just like picking up snacks and popcorn at the concession and throwing them in his face and being like, it's a 3D! Yeah, the Swedish chef working a popcorn counter is hilarious. It's very good. It's very good. And of course, like, the letters all have everybody framing this as a good thing while showing that everybody's miserable. 
Yes. So nobody's happy, but Kermit thinks everybody's happy. Scooter gets into the theater to give the the boomerang fish thrower his 3D glasses, and he says, no, I don't need them. I've seen this movie 99 times. And he he waits for a specific scene, and the movie has something to do with fish. So at a scene when the the 3D images of fish should be like coming out of the screen, he just starts throwing fish at the audience. And Scooter just, like, he just kind of deals with it. So Fozzie uh, has moved into the wilds and has found a cave with some real bears who are, you know, bear, like, bigger, more realistic bear muppets. I don't think any of them are actually um, the other main bear muppet whose name no, escapes me. I don't think Bobo makes an appearance here, but they are similar they in style. They look a lot like Bobo. He can't sleep because he doesn't know how to hibernate correctly. But he's lying next to another bear named Beth, who also can't sleep. So she, like, flops over and tries to, like, snuggle into him. And she is very large, and it is funny. It's also kind of cute. She seems like she just genuinely wants to, like, help this guy out. They seem to accept him, despite the fact that he's clearly not the same kind of bear. And the last of the letters is from the Electric Mayhem, who have gotten a job at Oktoberfest. Yeah, I don't remember what city it's in, but they're just like, they, they talk about this great gig that they got, and it's just playing the music at an, an Oktoberfest uh, festival. I don't think it's here. It might be later where there's another cutaway to the Oktoberfest, but the janitor Beauregard makes a a brief background appearance cleaning stuff up at the Oktoberfest. Yes, I like Beauregard. Uh, so yeah, they're like in Lederhosen and playing like polka music and they actually mostly seem fine, actually. Like, they seem like the least miserable of anybody. Uh, I mean, obviously it's not fun for them, but it's mostly just like whatever. I have a note here and I'm not exactly sure what it means and it's after this letter section that says Piggy equals eh, it's New York. I think every scene that Piggy is in, there's some like... Oh, right, no, it's because... Miss Piggy is always causing some kind of big disturbance. Oh, right. In the background, whenever it cuts back to Kermit and Jenny, and they always dismiss it as, eh, it's New York. Yeah, so, like, they vaguely notice the, like, crashing and stuff after Miss Piggy basically freaks out all of the construction workers, and they're like, whatever. And at this point, she's spying at them through the window, and I think it's either Kermit or, J- Kermit or Jenny notice, says, like, man, that's been happening, like, banging has been happening outside a lot lately. And the other one's like, it's New York. Kermit is upset that he hasn't gotten any letters from uh, Miss Piggy specifically, but also the rest of the gang. And Jenny assures him that they're probably on their way. Sometimes these things take time. And then they decide to enter phase two of their three-step plan. A whisper campaign. A whisper campaign. So Kermit recruits the rats from the kitchen to institute a whisper campaign at this very fancy restaurant that uh, I has... I think it's Sardi's. It's specifically Sardi's. Right, yeah. Where they have uh, pictures of famous people, like caricatures of famous people up on the walls. Who have been there. Yeah, people who have uh, have been to the restaurant. So his plan is to get a very fancy suit. He looks a little bit like Salvador Dali. He's grow like a fake mustache. Grow a mustache, which he doesn't successfully do, but Jenny helps him out with some makeup. And then go into the restaurant under a reservation and have the rats go around under the tables and whisper about this amazing new producer on the scene who's got a fantastic show that he's gonna put and it's called Manhattan Melody. 
abilities. No, not new producer. They pretend oh, right, right, that right. he's they a, pretend like, he's monster. an established producer. Yeah, they like sneak a fake painting of of Kermit as this producer character up on the wall, replacing the Liza Minnelli uh, caricature right above the table that he's sitting at. So yes. he's sitting right under this painting of himself, uh, and it works a lot better than his first scheme. People seem to really be into it until Liza Minnelli comes into the restaurant with someone and walks by the table and is pretty offended that her picture has been replaced by that of a frog. She feels like she's worried she's done something wrong, (laughs) apparently. Yeah, she seems like confused and kind of hurt. This is also another moment where it's like, it's a frog, though. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then the rats... Uh, reveal themselves and they all get kicked out of the restaurant. Yeah, everybody freaks out. Kermit and all the rats get tossed out of the restaurant. So the plan fails. So close. Uh, If Kermit had just gotten out of there before Liza Minnelli had successfully noticed him, things probably would have been fine. So Jenny suggests that they go for a jog in the park because that always cheers her up when something goes wrong. And Miss Pinky's following them, so she is not happy about this. Unfortunately, she is distracted by the mugger who steals her purse. Yes, following uh, this is one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Uh, so Probably the funniest scene in the entire movie. <laughs> yes, a mugger gets Miss Piggy's purse and, you know, a chase occurs. Miss Piggy steals a dude's... Well, okay, she asks politely, actually, for a dude's roller skates. Uh, and this the roller skates guy is another one of the cameos. He's Gregory Hines, and he's one of the best things in this movie. But not yet. We're not, we're, we'll get to him later. So she takes these roller skates and chases the mugger down. She's after this guy. And uh, throughout this, he, she's got like a body double for the distance shots and then the close-up shots of the puppet. Yeah, the mugger keeps running away and thinking that he's gotten away. And then he turns around and hears this screaming and Miss Piggy like flies out of the bushes or like off a cliff. Yeah, she is determined to get this motherfucker. She is fabulous and she's... <laughs> One of my notes here is just, yeah, Piggy, get him. Yeah. Just get this guy. Um, Eventually, he gets far enough away that he starts rifling through her purse, and then she just launches at him and tackles him to the ground. Before this, the items of her purse are revealed, and it's mostly, like, clothes and also a sock. It's a hacksaw. I don't know why she has a hacksaw, but, like, priorities, I guess. Uh, also, it's another one of those gags where it's like, that bag cannot hold a fucking hacksaw. <laughs> but it's great. Uh, yeah, she throws him at, like a, like, a flying tackle and hits him to the ground, and, like, the women are around are very supportive of this it's great a policeman gets called and comes up and is like what's going on here and then the mugger looks at miss piggy and is like she stole my purse and he's like uh, i'm not buying it yeah and uh some women like gratefully graciously help her get her stuff back she's very kind about it and the mugger gets arrested and it's a very satisfying moment but then kermit notices that she's there yes well, i think jenny sees that she's there and kermit goes to talk to her and is kind of like hurt initially that she didn't tell him that she was there and then miss piggy is very angry because she's been spying on them and like thinks that he's cheating on her and at this point gregory hines the roller skate man shows up again he has been running after her the whole time trying to get his roller skates back 
and he doesn't want to interrupt the fight that these two uh like this couple is having so he's like i'll just undo the skates while you two fight and he talks out of frame and then the fight continues and it's amazing and then he pops back up to like chime in with his two cents and it's hilarious he's mostly on picky side in this until he remembers that she's been spying on him and like it's really great so miss piggy's like angry at him because he's been flirting with jenny and he's like upset that she wasn't like talking to him about stuff and also because kermit has commitment issues which is a character trait that he consistently has this fight is the point where i was like man the relationship between miss piggy and kermit is very genuine in this movie it's like a way more realistic flushed out this is the kind of thing that they were clearly trying to do in the muppets like tv show and it's way better here it's just like yeah these people have issues but they clearly care about each other and like i buy it yeah they do a really good job of actually defining their relationship and giving them lots of actual character and investment in one another yeah, at one point in this re- in this like argument miss piggy says like i wish i'd like never met you it's like you know it's a real argument uh, i mean we've never had an argument like this but couples have arguments like this uh so yeah kermit flags down a horse and carriage and they go for a carriage ride and they sit there kind of silently for a while and then they start actually opening up and talking about their uh issues and communicating communicating waldorf and Sattler pass by at this <laughs> point and make snarky comments about a frog and a pig yep uh and and how they're clearly in love with each other and it makes them sick. At which point I was like, yeah, but you two are also taking a horse and carriage rider clearly in love with each other and just like making fun of other couples. I feel like that is one of the most clear moments that Waldorf and Statler are dating. So this conversation leads into one of the best sequences in the entire Muppets canon, as far as I'm aware, which is the introduction, I believe the first appearance, although I'm not positive, of the Muppet Babies. It is the first appearance, and this is several months uh, so this was released in July of 1984. The TV show Muppet Babies, the cartoon show that everybody remembers. Well, I've never actually seen it, but they did a remake, the like original, before they did the reboot, which is out now. Premiered September that year. So they were obviously in production for this, or at least pre-production or pitching stages for this TV show, and they just put it in the movie to see whether or not people liked it. So this is Miss Piggy admitting that she doesn't actually wish that she'd never met Kermit. If anything, she wishes they'd met earlier. And this uh, segues into this fantasy sequence where all of the Muppets are babies and uh, Miss Piggy is singing a song to Kermit. Yes. All of the Muppets except for uh, Animal isn't in this sequence. Right. Um, but yes, I mean, Animal of the main like Muppet Babies cast, he's not here. And also the the gender swapped scooter clone who exists in the cartoon show clear just, just to have more than one female character uh, isn't here because she doesn't exist yet. Uh, and there's a musical number here, a very cute little musical number, so, musical number called... Uh, I think it's Always Be Loving You or Always Love You, something along those lines. And it's just Miss Piggy singing about how she'll like grow up to do all of these things, but no matter what, she's going to love Kermit. 
Mm-hmm. It's very cute. All of the baby Muppets are adorable. They're so good. They're they so cute. So cute. And they move very well. And there's baby Ralph doing his little piano. And uh, baby Gonzo has a chicken onesie. And he's like riding around on a like little tricycle. And yes, it's very good. Baby Scooter is there. Yes, everybody's very cute. Baby Kermit is cute. Baby Miss Piggy is cute. Obviously, the Muppet babies are adorable. We'll have to talk about the Muppet babies in more detail detail sometime uh this song is very like doo-woppy and like the other babies do little backgroundy bits it's it's very cute uh we transition back to reality where miss piggy has like flopped over kermit's lap and is sucking her own thumb (laughs) and kermit's just like uh okay so after this point uh piggy is also working at the restaurant and she still has this very like uh fraught relationship with jenny but you know she got her a job there so they're all working together at this point point. Mm-hmm. and then brooke shields shows up at the restaurant for the next uh cameo and who is it is it rizzo has like no it's one of the it's like master sin uh asks whether or not she's ever considered interspecies dating and she says well i have I've dated a few rats in my life, if that's what you're asking. And then he's very, like, swoony about this, clear- even though she clearly meant that metaphorically. It's a bit of a non-sequitur. Uh, next set of letters happens at this point. Yes, you want to get, get into the letters? More letters. Another really good scene. So Ralph is in Delaware, where he talks about how he is uh, managing a business, and turns out he is a dog managing a kennel yes this scene is really awkward it's awkward and funny and really weird so he's running a kennel which is weird and this very particular dog owner shows up to drop off his his dog snookums yes a like fluffy lap dog kind of thing so he's talking about how snookums likes to get fed at a specific time and a specific meal and uh rolf assures him that he'll take great care of her and then the guy like gives him a death glare and is like snookums is a he yeah and then he like commands ralph to like sit and stay and calls him a good boy yes it's very weird (laughs) and then after the guy leaves all of the other dogs start like heckling rolf Yeah, so up to this point, I thought they were just, like, dog dogs, and that Ralph was, like, a special dog, but no, apparently all of the dogs are also, like, sentient beings that have owners, and it's just like, what is this universe? (laughs) It implies some wild things about the Muppet universe that just... I don't even know. It's a very funny scene. Rolf is great. Uh, Snookums doesn't speak there, just to be yeah, clear. Snookums is a real dog. The rest of the dogs in the background are puppets. Apparently some of one of, or two of them are named Jim and Frank, which is funny. Uh, the other letter in this section is Gonzo, who is working in Michigan with the Aquacade. So he's doing like aquatic stunts. Which honestly doesn't seem like a bad job for him. He's with like a bunch of other chickens and Camilla. And there's a very, very specific uh, song that I can't remember all of the parts of, but it's like the William Tell Overture as performed by this specific artist as interpreted by a group of chickens. Yeah, I didn't write that down. That's very good. So um, uh, Gonzo's about to do his like very complicated stunt where he jumps off of the like ramp and he goes through some hoops and does some flips and his water skis fall off and he just gets dragged horrifyingly through the water. Yes, it doesn't seem like a bad job, but Gonzo is not very good at it. So after this point, they get an actual letter from an 
actual producer who's actually interested in the show. Yes, Bernard Crawford sends a letter and Jenny knows the name because he's a big name in, in Broadway. So they decide to go and take the meeting and Kermit goes and tries to meet with Bernard. But it turns out Bernard didn't actually send the letter. Bernard's son did, Ronnie Crawford. But he used his dad's name because he didn't think they'd take the meeting if they knew it was with him. But he has a deal with his dad that he gets to produce like a show and he'll get backing from his dad and he really does want to do Kermit's show. He thinks it's unique and he thinks the cast being unique is really important and they sign a deal and Kermit's really excited and he's about to go out get the gang together. Jenny and Miss Piggy said to like Call them as soon as he, like, gets this deal sorted out. He runs out so excitedly that he doesn't look both ways when he crosses the street and he gets hit by a taxi. He gets hit by a car. He this... gets hit yeah, he by is a car. out. I was not expecting how this movie has, like, two moments in it where I'm just like, I am surprised this movie went there. One is hostage situation. Two is Kermit gets hit by a car. And also, we just watched um, Life at a little while ago so i just had flashbacks to that where someone gets hit by a car it is not comparable <laughs> in any way to that scenario uh yeah but before he did this he actually he tells is it jenny or miss piggy get uh, both on the phone yeah he tells uh, them on the phone that they got the show and then he gets hit by the car uh so they know about it and they tell pete to start sending out telegrams and they'll go look for Kermit because he hasn't shown up yet. Also, at this point, like they, it's a scene like later in the day where they've been waiting for Kermit to come home and he's been gone all day and they're worried about him. And uh, Ronnie shows up and is like, hey, where's Kermit? Uh, we've got to open this show in like two weeks because that's the deal that he has with his dad, that they, the show has to be ready in two weeks. Uh, so that's why they have like a time like limit on this. They need to get everybody back and they need to find Kermit immediately. Uh, so the telegrams start going out and like Fozzie gets his and tells all of the bears to come with him basically we cut to Kermit in the hospital Kermit has amnesia and he is consulting with the doctor who is another uh, cameo apparently Linda Lavin I don't recognize but she was listed as a cameo so I thought I should mention it so she does this routine where she's checking for any physical damage from the uh, accident and she does a series of funny physical jokes with the Kermit puppet where she's like moving the legs up way over his head and like twisting his arm completely around multiple times. And she's like, you're fine. And she's like, yeah, you're fine. And then she tries to, uh, based on what little information they have about Kermit, which is that he was found in the middle of the day with no clothes, uh, who he actually is. They suggest he's from a nudist colony nearby, and he's like, no, I don't think so. And she's like, yeah, it was a long shot. So they don't know who he is. They send him out because he's fine uh, under the name Mr. X. And, and they give him a fresh suit. They give, they give him a fresh suit, and they tell him to go out and make a new life for himself. Uh, so he is going to... The... I have a note here that says Janice, what the fuck, and I'm not sure what the context is for that. I guess Janice has a good line here. Oh, I think that's because uh, all the other Muppets have gathered at the uh, diner by that point and there's a line about her not doing nude scenes even if it's artistic oh yeah <laughs> they're, they're all like in this rabble and you can't really hear any distinct lines and then everybody else goes quiet and she's like i won't do nude even if it's artistic 
I appreciate that she stands up for herself. It's a good uh, joke. They are sent off to like try to find yeah. and like do rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so yes, Kermit is going to find a new life for himself and he comes across this group of frog ad executives. Bill and Gill and Jill. Bill so, has ears, even though he's a frog, which I found annoying, but whatever. Bill, Gill, and Jill are trying desperately to come up with a good slogan for Ocean Breeze Soap, and they pull Kermit into their office because they want to hear what the every frog thinks of the slogan they've come up with. So they ask him what his thoughts are. Uh, what was the first one? It's very long and bad. It's very long and bad. And he tells them that it's very long and bad. And then he suggests, they, he suggests ocean breeze soap. It makes you clean. It makes you clean. Something along those lines, which and is a wild success. They think it's absolutely brilliant. So they uh, ask him what his name is. And he looks over at a poster of what is it? It's like surfing dude who's... I can't remember exactly what the poster is, but he says his name is Phil... Philip Phil Philip is Phil. what he ends up on. So it's now Jill, Gil, Bill, and Phil. Yes. Because they recruit him to join their ad team, and Kermit becomes a uh, Madison Avenue ad man. Okay, at this point, I have a note about a joke I really liked. I did not write out the whole joke, and I'm going to see if you can figure out what it is based on my limited note. Next train. Don't know. But I thought no, this joke I, was funny. I don't. If you were watching the Muppets Take Manhattan. That's a joke I found funny. I also have a note that Kermit is just, like, very good at this ad exact thing. So, at yes. this point, the Muppets are very sad because it's, like, the day of opening and they still haven't found Kermit and... They're starting to lose hope when uh, the uh, ad frogs come into the diner for lunch. And they don't notice this at first. Because they're sitting around the table looking down all dejected and the frogs get into the booth next to them and they're trying to decide what to order and Kermit picks up a spoon and starts tapping the water glasses and he just by instinct I suppose starts tapping out the melody to together again. And the puppets start singing it in the next table and they're like this is like like, this is together again and they look around and Miss Piggy looks or is it Gonzo looks around and it's Kermit and they're like oh my god it's Kermit and they all like crowd around him and, and Kermit's like, like who are you I don't know who you are and for some reason he doesn't bring up the fact that he has amnesia yeah <laughs> even though he knows he has amnesia he just kind of is like I don't know you guys the rest of the frogs are just like well, this place has very friendly service yeah because they all like mob kermit and start like hugging him and and so uh because kermit doesn't know what's going on and it's high stakes because it's opening night they do what the muppets often do when they face conflict for a show night and that is kidnap they kidnap kermit and they take him to the theater yes and so they're trying to like remind kermit of who he is and his music and like all of this stuff and it's not working it's minutes before the show they're ready to go out and miss piggy like takes him aside and like tells him like very like emotionally like these these are your friends this is your life you are Kermit the Frog and you're in love with me and then Kermit goes on this horrible racist screed against pigs and she clobbers him and he has it coming yeah it's framed as like very offensive clearly like it's kind of a joke because like oh she's a pig but like he says really awful things and she like rightfully beats his ass yeah so she hits him so hard that he flies across the dressing room and lands upside down in a chair and the blow on the head restores his memory because <laughs> this is a movie and so he remembers 
they ask him if he remembers the opening number and he starts singing it as they're like taking off his suit and like putting on the costume for the show and he's still concerned about doing the show because he says it's not ready but he realizes at the last minute they're going by backstage and i think it's fozzy is like hey kermit can our new friends watch from backstage and he points out all of the different characters that all of the muppets have met on their various journeys around so, the country they all brought all of their friends apparently there's a cut scene uh, actually of beauregard specifically driving electric mayhem back to new york oh. so beauregard comes back but it's not there there's apparently a number of cut scene. scenes we're going to talk about later. But yeah, so Fozzie's brought the bears and Scooter's brought the fish thrower and the Swedish chef and everybody is like there. Everyone's together. And he's like, this is what we were missing. More freaks. More dogs and pigs and bears and whatevers. And more weirdos, basically, which I have to you note. Know, this so is very he, queer. Yeah. Like, a bunch of weirdos on a Broadway stage. So, so he says, they're not gonna watch the show from backstage, they're gonna be in the show. So there's a bit of the opening number, right where I belong, and then there is a big Broadway stage, like, finale, which is like a big stage show. Uh, somebody's getting married, and we just looked at each other and like, this is surprisingly fitting considering we're planning a wedding. And yes. It's very sweet. I like this song a lot. It's really good. This is a great number. So uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy are on separate sides of the stage and they're going through different locations where they're picking out the wedding dress and picking up the cake and the cakes are also singing Swedish Chef cakes singing and Swedish Chef is running the cake shop Uh, it's a great scene and then it all culminates with them walking down the aisle in this big church set and all of the characters from like all the Muppet characters are there in the seats there's a fantastic cameo of like a bunch of characters from Sesame Street almost all of the Sesame Street characters which reminds me there was an earlier Big Bird uh reference in the the Muppet Muppet Baby section Ralph is like doing surgery on Big Bird but yeah, There's... here all of the like Muppet, like all of the Sesame Street characters are here. Bert and Ernie are here. The Count is here. Cookie Monster, Cookie Monster. Big Bird, Grover. Grover's there. All of the Sesame Street characters are here and it's adorable. And they're at this wedding and it's very cute. And all of the other Muppets are there. And it just makes me happy. They go up to the front of the church and... If I'm remembering this right, there's Kermit... another song at this point. It, right. it transfers over to She'll Make Me Happy mm-hmm. or He'll Make Me Happy, which is just like a song about no matter what goes on, I know that we'll make each other happy and it's very sweet. Wait, as Kermit says, wait, God's also supposed to play the preacher. And Miss Piggy's like, <laughs> and he gets a little bit cold feet about it, but they both say I do and they get real married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... And then it just kind of ends. Yeah, they get married, and that's that's the end of the movie. Yeah, and then there's like a little bit of yeah. everything wrapped up. They're in the musical now. It got on Broadway. Uh, the crowd was clearly loving it. It's great. Everyone's great. It ends on a wedding. Yeah, overall, it's a very cute Muppet movie. It's a bit fluffy, but that's fine. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, all Muppet movies are kind of fluffy. Do we want to get into more of the fun facts? Uh, yeah, sure. Do you want to start with actual fun facts or like sad facts? Let's get the sad facts out of the way and then get into the fun facts all right this is the last film that jim henson worked on before his untimely death um not long after this movie at the age of 53 i didn't actually know how he died until i looked it up he died of toxic shock syndrome which was missed because they wrote it up as a flu initially and sent him home at this point he was in talks with disney to sell the muppets to them specifically in the hopes of having more time to work on the creative side of things without having to deal with the business stuff oh no just really sad and he was at this point also developing a television show that 
wish we'd gotten to see because it was called Muppets High. Oh, that sounds amazing. They were working on a Muppets High School show. Oh. I would love to see the Muppets in high school. Man. I mean, I'm sad we lost Jim Henson for a million reasons, but one of them is now we didn't get Muppets high. Yeah. So that's sad. And then two years after that, they lost Richard Hunt, who was one of their main puppeteers. He was Scooter and Statler and Janice and Beaker and Sweetums. So that's a lot. Yeah. Really major guy. He died at the age 40 from complications of HIV AIDS. So it's another sign that the like artistic community of the workshop was very good, but it's very sad, obviously. So yeah, a lot of the people in this movie are dead. Um, not because a lot of them were very old. This movie came out in like 84. It wasn't that long ago, but just like a lot of the people in the movie are dead. Gregory Hines, who we also talked about, is the roller skate man, who was our favorite cameo by far. He's just really good in this movie. It's also passed away by now. I recognized him, but I didn't know why. Do you want to break? breakdown of who Gregory Hines is? Uh, sure, because I think I also recognized him, but I couldn't place where. Okay, so he started off in the band Severance. Okay. We probably recognize him because he was in the Mel Brooks film History of the World Part 1. Oh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Which he's also very good in that movie. Not the greatest Mel Brooks movie, but he's one of the saving graces of it. Mm-hmm. He was in Will and Grace, and less happily, he was uh, the voice of Big Bill in the show Little Bill, based on Bill he probably didn't know it's okay yeah i don't blame him for that it's just so sad that there was this entire nickelodeon kids show about bill cosby there's so many gross things he was also a like tony award winning broadway performer and choreography and vital to the creation of national tap dancing day cool so cool dude uh he's also passed away i don't exactly know what happened. I didn't keep notes on this. Let's get into the more fun facts here. Frank Oz specifically directed this film with the intention to give the character and the relationship more oomph, which I think he succeeded in. Yeah, absolutely. I think he definitely did. Yeah. Uh... The planned cameos that didn't work out were uh, Dustin Hoffman, Steve Martin, Michael Jackson, Lily Tomlin, Richard Pryor, and Laurence Olivier. Whoa. That's like a short list of the people that they had. Wow. I know. I feel so sad. I mean, they had Steve Martin in the first one, so that's not surprising that he would consider coming back, but like Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin and Richard Pryor. Laurence Olivier? Laurence Olivier. Like, apparently there was just a bunch of scheduling oh. conflicts. It wasn't that they weren't interested. It was just like, it didn't work out for anybody. Oh, man. That's that's an insane cast list for cameos. Wow. Especially Michael Jackson in 1984. In hindsight, I'm glad that that, isn't, that didn't happen because Michael Jackson yeah, was a monster. That would not have aged well. <laughs> but uh, it is still a shame that they didn't get, like, they basically just got a bunch of B-listers, which is too bad. Because I'm sure a bunch of them felt very bad to have not been in the last Muppet movie with Jim Henson involved. This was the second highest like producing G-rated film of the year, but there was only like four G-rated films up to that point in the year. Oof. They were right behind the release of Pinocchio, as far as like box office is concerned, with G-rated films. Which is interesting because this was actually the 1984 re-release of Pinocchio, which had such a drop-off in sales as far as Disney was concerned, they opened up to selling VHS tapes of their movies. Ooh. But this movie did fine. By box office standards, Muppets Take Manhattan wasn't a failure or anything. 
Disney just has really high, really had really high standards for their movies at this point, as far as like re-releases were concerned. And yeah, yeah. people were less interested. This is what created the Disney vault, essentially. <laughs> this is also, uh, this movie was adapted into a Marvel comic and a storybook. And that's how we know that there was like cut scenes because there are scenes in both of these versions that don't exist in the film, but are the same in like the comic and the storybook. So they were probably based on earlier drafts of the movie. Huh. Such as the Beauregard drafting them scene. That's neat. Uh, We should try to track these down sometime. Yeah, we should. We'll probably be able to get our hands on the Marvel comic because that kind of stuff pops up every so often. There is also a very complicated release problem with this movie. We wouldn't have been able to buy it from Disney. They don't have the rights to this one. How? Okay. So most of the Muppet movies were produced by ITC Entertainment and that all of those films reverted to the Jim Henson company and the Disney company. Like Jim Henson when their contracts ran out and then Walt Disney when they bought them in 2004. This movie was released by TriStar Pictures, which means they did revert to the Jim Henson company in 98, but didn't revert to Walt Disney in 2004 because Sony owns TriStar. So it's one of three Muppet films, uh, along with Muppets from Space and a direct-to-video film, Kermit's Swamp Years, whose home distribution rights are not with Disney, but with Sony. So I will be curious to see whether or not they can get them for Disney Plus or what the situation is with that, if they're going to try to buy them out or anything, but that's complicated. Also, one of the reasons why Muppets from Space doesn't have like a great release yet, because Disney doesn't have it right now and probably sony just doesn't feel like making the money off of it this was nominated for an academy award for best original score but it lost do you want to guess what it lost to in 1984 i got nothing purple rain by prince which is fair that is a movie to lose to yeah i mean like if you're gonna lose lose to prince i mean for music anyway yeah yeah as i mentioned it's the only Muppets film with no fourth wall breaks. Uh, the other deleted scene, uh, or a couple of the other deleted scenes are Statler and Waldor, uh taking advantage of Kermit's amnesia and Gonzo informing Kermit before the wedding scene that the priest is real. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if those were originally in the film or not, but it's interesting. It's also a G-rated film. And specifically, this is a film that Jim Henson talked about how important it is for them to have G-rated films. And there was this growing stigma because PG had been recently introduced against G-rated films because they were seen as like too kiddie. And Jim Henson was very adamant, like, no, I want these to be for everybody. I won't make a PG-rated Muppets film. I just think that's really interesting. I think PG has gotten a lot kind of stricter since then because i think this might be rated pg now hmm. um because like it doesn't take anything to get a film rated pg like inside out is rated pg yeah instead of g i just don't think they put g ratings on anything that isn't designed for four-year-olds now i think the advent of pg-13 really mm-hmm. threw a loop in the works but i think it's really interesting how adamant jim was that Muppet movies for everybody. Yeah, I think it's really admirable to to try and aim for keeping the Muppets films uh, like applicable to such a broad audience. Uh, so uh, a couple of the cameos we missed are Art Carney plays Bernard Car- Crawford. Uh, Elliot Gold is a police officer who enters the diner, <laughs> which is a joke we missed. Kermit says he has to go out and make a killing or go out and kill him. And a police officer walks past him, <laughs> like stares for a second and is like, eh, probably nothing. 
He says he has to uh, make a contract and kill him. Yes. <laughs> he immediately passes like, Elliot Gould as a police officer who's like, yeah, it's probably nothing, which is good. It's um, a good joke. It's a good joke. He was also um, in a cameo in the original Muppet movie. Uh, the mayor of New York plays himself for a scene. John Landis is there as one of the theatrical producers. A David Lazar is a Sardi's com- customer, and Vincent Sardi Jr. is the guy who runs the restaurant, because it's Sardi's, clearly. Also, Francis Burgeon is a receptionist. I don't know who that is. Also, apparently the, the like con artist guy is somebody named Dabney Coleman, who was probably vaguely known in the 80s. A lot of these cameos did not leave much of an impact because we don't know who they are because they did not stick around i know who yeah. art carney is i don't recognize most of these names i mean no i know vincent sardi because sardi's is like a famous restaurant yeah but that's not like famous famous and you know the mayor of new york you notice that he's the mayor of new york oh they run to the mayor of new york when they're looking for kermit and they're like have you seen a frog that can sing and dance and he's like well if he can balance the books i'll hire him it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So, uh, final thoughts? Uh, I think Muppets Take Manhattan is a delightful movie. It's a charmer. It's it's cute. It's a very cute Muppets movie. Yeah. I don't think it's my favorite, but it's very good. Yeah, I think I, I, think I like it more than you do. Yeah, I can tell that. And that's good. I'm glad mm-hmm. that you like it. <laughs> like, I think that for, for all of the, like, quotes from Frank Oz that we've talked about on this show when he's reacting to other people's Muppet movies like he does have the directing talent to back up what he talks about yeah he does know these characters I think this is the best these characters are some of the best these characters are Mm -hmm. and I really like it it's kind of a rainy day movie you know one where you're kind of in a like low mood and you want to watch something that's just going to cheer you up yeah this is a very uh, comforting inspiring kind of film yeah, I like it a lot. Seeing the underdogs triumph. Yeah, and the triumph feels a little more genuine. Yeah. And I like it. So this was our episode about the Muppets Take Manhattan. Not sure what we're doing next, honestly. We might actually review the original Muppets movie because there is a release of that coming to a theater near us. Yeah, so thank you for listening to The Rainbow Connection. Our theme music is a cover of The Rainbow Connection by Alex Conwell. You can find us on Twitter at uh, MuppetsPod. We have a Gmail, uh, MuppetsPod gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at BertNerdTram. And me on Twitter at Kenzie Phoenix. I am also uh, going to be on a couple episodes of the School of Movies podcast, which you should totally check out. I was on the Hero 6 episode. Don't know when that's dropping. And I'll be on the Captain Marvel episode coming out soon or out by the time this drops. I don't know when we're going to have this finished by. Thank yeah. you all for tuning in. Yeah. Catch you on the flip side of the rainbow. Oh, Nathan? Yes. Do you think we found it? The rainbow connection? It's close. I can feel it. But we're not, not quite there. Uh, we'll find it. Someday we'll find it. Oh, will work out. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Talk to you next time.